0: Yeah, man, getting this thing started. um, If you just want to give us a little bit about yourself, what exactly is Umamaya? And uh, yeah, anything else about your journey so far and how you uh, got to be in front of the camera in front of me today? And then uh, we can get the. Way to put a
1: brother on the spot, man. Okay. (laughs) So, (laughs) (laughs) Um Umamaya. (laughs) Chap. All right. Try to. Hey, well they do say that that is one of the uh signs of mastery can you take a big complex topic and present it simply no <laughs> umamaheshwara Uma umamaheshwara is umamaya is a uh, short for umamaheshwara to damn see now i'm being recorded and put on the spot and say go define it and no. umamaya <laughs> sure. yeah, yeah right Umamaya is short for Uma Maheshwara Yoga and Ayurveda, Uma Maheshwara being two names of Shiva and Shakti, the god and the goddess in the uh, Hindi or the yogic tradition. Uh, The name of an ashram that I was associated with over 20 years while I was practicing my path in the Himalaya, uh, the name of Guru's ashram. And so I've taken that name as I'm the living ashram now. Mm -hmm. And I turned all of that into my legacy project and paying forward all that I received and sharing and turned it into a business and turned it into uh, the latter portion of my life's journey. What's that all about? Sharing the wisdom traditions. You know, I started as a kid with questions like most kids grow up with, I guess. Uh, Lots of contradictions in education leading to more and more questions, particularly religious upbringing leading to more and more questions. You know, what's God? What's the meaning of life? What's my connection to the universe? That kind of uh, questioning sent me out on a journey from 17 years old into the Middle East and into the Orient and up the Himalayas finally, where ultimately I'd clicked to this path called Tantric Yoga, which seemed to have all of... I didn't know anything about Tantric Yoga. I met a man up there in the Himalayas, an old sage... Who seemed to be the living embodiment of everything that I was questioning at the time. Uh, I'd been reading books from the Western esoteric tradition and, and, you know, filling me up with all sorts of information, you know, the Manny Halls and, and the Manny? Manly? What's his name?
0: I think it's Manly. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: think so too, right? Manly Hall. And, and, you know, all those guys that talk about, uh, stuff, they'd all been culling from the time honored traditions around the world, be they Buddhism, this or that. And, When I met the sage, I just saw him—the walking model of all that had ever been written—and so I wanted to get close to him, and I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to know what he knew, and that started the relationship uh, over the next twenty years on a path that I'd later, much later, only after coming down the mountain, did I understand that this was tantric yoga because he never put a name to it. He never gave me the name of a lineage. I mean, he he'd say things like jnana yoga. He'd quote texts like the Bhagavad Gita. He'd, He'd say. Certain things to give me hints that I was practicing yoga, but, uh, you know, I didn't really know what yoga was until I started checking out the academic side yeah. 20 years later. Yeah. But here I am 52 years old today. Um, now I've taken my experiential journey and and combined it with some good academic research and put it into a business model and share it, you know, whether I'm coaching for corporate or, or doing my own thing, uh, you know, in, in personal sessions, in, in my private practice. And what led me to you? I think we both have YouTube channels. And once upon a time, you you reached out. You said, hey, man, I saw one of your videos. Let's talk. And I said, yeah, okay, let's talk. And yeah. neither, one of us, neither one of us knew each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I checked out your channel. I saw, oh, you're talking to a bunch of interesting cats. Okay, maybe this is going to be an interesting conversation. You know stuff about non-dual tantra, and, and you seem to be on a path of your own there so this could get interesting and that's what i'm here for today to find out what we're doing here today and and see what this leads to and making make a new vital connection in the network and and uh play it by ear really
0: yeah wow that's great um well glad to have you here (laughs) (laughs) so this time in the himalayas Mm -hmm. what did that teach you to bring into your quote regular life other than a you know a means of income in a in a a work more mindset wise like what did you bring from this yogi this sage into your life in your mindset in your uh in your lifestyle you know what did this i know that might also be a big question (laughs) 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 answer it however you want
1: um well that's why i keep a blog right (laughs)
0: yeah exactly well yeah could you would you say all of your work that you do now is the little embodiment of the lessons learned of your time
1: absolutely it can be no other way what did i learn uh, impossible to answer that ah huh. what did i learn your elevator pitch david quickly <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't know yeah what did i learn I don't have a ready response to that. That that seems like a good question to have a ready response for. <laughs> what did I learn from oh, that's
0: that guy? Okay. That's a big
1: one. That's huge.
0: Maybe you're still figuring mean, it you, out.
1: No, I'm not even thinking about it. What did yeah. I learn? I mean, what didn't I learn? <laughs> I I am the result of that experience. I mean, what did I unlearn?
0: Maybe a different way to look at it, it's like, how could you envision your life if you didn't go to the Himalayas? What would be different about your life? if you could? This is obviously hypothetical. Um, we we're just having some fun here. How would your life be different if you just lived a, quote, normal life in America?
1: I would have gone into the Army. I would have been a Green Beret. I would have worked for military intelligence and got a job with the CIA and gone the way of a Robert Ludlum novel. I thought that was really romantic. Otherwise, I would have wound up in Japan and and uh, been researching bushido and and taken on that path. What did I learn? Life is good. Mm. Life is not as hard as a lot of people make it out to be. That life is simple to be enjoyed. Mm. That, that life is happy. That that even in all of the, what we call good and bad experiences. Freedom is something real. Uh, choice is something huge. There is an indelible and incontrovertible connection between what I am and what's going on out here, that there is a communication happening 24 hours a day. What did I learn? How vast this network of awareness really is what did i learn how to be how to just be be free how to how to be cool you know be be satisfied be happy how to live a life yeah how to just be as a being
0: that's wonderful honestly because it's cliche sort of but I feel like it's something that we're all looking for, to be happy, uh, to just be, to just exist without any sort of resistance to the process. So if that's what you got from it, man, if you, if that's even a way to phrase it, that's what you got from it, um, then that's what more do you want?
1: <laughs> right on. Right on. You know, I, I call it my dreams have come true and I'm alive now for the next generation. I mean, literally my My When I came down off the mountain, I got married. I came down at about 42. And I got married, made a baby, got a house, got a job, you know, stopped being a gypsy wanderer and and got into a regular life. And I've got, you know, I, I still got a bucket list. I want to visit Ireland one day. And, you know, I got a couple of little things that I'd like to do just like everybody. But seriously, my dream is now what's going to be with my daughter what's going to be for the next generation. I want to talk to the kids out there. I want to talk to the adults out there, people who are not grokking to the fact of their own personal freedom, people who are perhaps stuck in past trauma and drama and and not aware of the choices that they've got to make in their life and the freedom and and the very real power they have to direct their own lives and destinies. Uh, There's this word in our tradition, we call it pratibha. It's... uh, it's uh a kind of serendipity or synchronicity we we metaphorically refer to her as as an aspect of the goddess she is our she's got our back like mother nature always carrying you nestled against her bosom we are walking hand in hand with the divine everywhere we go every moment of the day don't have to think about it and seriously, if we can just envision what we would do with our lives, we can do it. You know, they teach you as a kid, you can be anything you want when you grow up. And there's really a lot to that. You know, if you've got something you want to do. And so it comes down to a fundamental question. Okay, what do you want? What do you want to do? What do you want to be? Where do you want to go? Because if you answer that, you can do it. And a lot of people are just stuck in, oh, woe is me. This is not, this is happening to me right now. This is where I am right now. I don't like where I am right now. Well, will rephrase that, right? Where would you like to be? What do you want to do? And and how do you go about doing that? And so that's where coaching comes in, right? Helping somebody develop the skill set or the perspective or or uh, you know giving them the tools with which they might parse the conversation just a little bit more skillfully. That's what I enjoy doing. Mm.
0: Yeah, would you say, in one way or the other, we all want a sense of freedom?
1: I'd say, in one way or another, we are all enacting our freedom, while not perhaps being aware of the fact that we are, the depths, the breadth of our freedom. Uh-huh. I do, you know, bring this up with people all the time, you know, that, that we are all just looking for joy, and I get a lot of pushback on that. No, I'm not looking for joy. I'm happy being an angry bastard. <laughs> and and that's cool. I mean, that's your definition of happiness then. Uh, I, I do think that everybody's looking for joy, that everybody just wants to be happy, that everybody just wants to live their life as they want to. And that's precisely what you're allowed to. Uh, and yet you get caught up in relationships and you get caught up in these great complex narratives that we create in our mind we self-identify with that we then create the greater reality with that we call true and we're unable to extricate ourselves from particular beliefs that we ourselves are generating and then it becomes a whole big mess and uh, thanks god for psychoanalysis because somebody can help you unravel that piece of that big ball of yarn uh but yeah i'm a yarn unraveler i think
0: (laughs) Yeah. uh, I like to say we just have misplaced priorities on being able to find this joy because I agree with you. We're all looking for peace, happiness, joy, bliss, whatever word you want to use. But yeah, we're all just looking to be satisfied here in one way or the other. It's just that we don't really know how to go about it, it seems.
1: I think people tend to get lost in the negative side uh, of, of the model. You know, we all feel sad or angry or jealous or greedy or, or something that we call a vice or something that we call a, a negative. At one point or another, I mean, the the ideas rise up within us. We are judgmental. We do have ego. We do have feelings. We are human. This is part of the 3D paradigm. We we are experiencing this. This is all part of the embodied experience. And I think we tend to kick ourselves for being human, and not allow ourselves to feel what we feel in the moment. And when we do feel it, because we're not allowing that, we totally get lost in that, right? We're not allowing it. And so, it rises up even stronger, and it grabs us. And because we're ignoring it, we stay with it longer, and we get pulled down into a spiral of of uh, unconscious quicksand, yeah. and not fully able to digest what's really happening to us in the moment. Whereas if we could just, you know, make that particular judgment in that particular moment, oh, that angers me. And, you know, whether it's for justice or whether it's for misplaced uh, belief or whatever it is, you know, I own my anger for a moment, see the fact that I'm angry, see the fact of whatever that anger is creating in my relationships or in my life. Is it going to make me quit my job? Is it going to make me lash out at my wife in such a way that she's going to do this? And now my relationships in you know, what is my anger actually doing? Mm -hmm. And is it going to serve me? Because if it's going to serve you, then absolutely fine. I got really, really angry once upon a long time ago at George W. Bush, because after those towers were attacked i didn't feel much about the attack actually i'm sorry to say i'm not sorry to say i, I just didn't that I, I didn't feel much i saw it and i said ah shit, more violence yeah. but then gw got on the air and he started sowing the seeds of fear into the american populace he used his words or his speechwriters used the words or or his puppet map whoever it was he got on the air he started using his words to make people afraid very afraid and I was young and I didn't like that. And that really, really pissed me off hard for the first time. So hard that I needed to do something with that anger. And, and I looked at it and I was conscious enough at that point to know that I could maybe have some effect. And so I started training my brain into the hope and change uh, direction. And wow, look what came out of that. And And that guy started putting his message out there on the streets and I felt a little bit vindicated I felt really, really good. I felt, okay, good. That's right. The Lord's got my back. Pratibha, thank you very, very much because I can't do anything about GW. I could send a letter, but you know, what's that going to do? This guy could do something. And so I supported him and I supported his campaign the whole way, all the way up until 2008. I think it was maybe where I took a trip. I paid the bucks. I took a plane all the way to Washington, DC, climbed myself up the Washington Tower, Washington Monument. And you know, looked looked out at Congress and looked out in, in the four directions and said my prayer and then went and spent a week with uh, pizza and bagels in New York. But I did my job. The anger, the anger was the the fuse that lit that series of actions, that series of practices, that series of focuses under me. And so it was a very, very valuable feeling to have at that time. Mm. And I think that if people can just look at where their emotions are coming from, you know, the where the sadness is coming from, where the guilt is coming from, because guilt, guilt's another great one. We all feel guilty about, you know, guilty and recrimination about actions that we've taken that have not created the the results that we actually want in our lives. And we get lost in feeling guilt. Oh, I'm such a shit, right? Instead of using that, to create in the opposite direction you know okay if you're not satisfied with that particular result then what would you rather be doing and you know even as you're recreating yourself which is really really cool you still tend to get pulled into that, that oh i was such a shit uh you know eyes on the past instead of eyes in the moment or eyes on the future it's skillful there's a skillful approach to dealing with our emotions so instead of you know putting off the bad emotions to the side and say, "Hey, I shouldn't judge. I shouldn't have an ego. The ego must die, blah, blah, right? Be human, be human and be a conscious human and, and be happy with being human. And everything can be exactly according to your own vision. Have a vision.
0: Yeah. Well said. Would you say that the path is putting it simply us skillfully developing, Or maybe developing our skills to be able to discern in our emotions so that we act wisely and we don't act uh, destructively. You know, to be able to, um, yes, realize a higher sense of self, a higher connection, that pratibha, um, that sense of freedom. But in that freedom, act according to. almost like an obligatory sense of uh, selflessness or, or love or maybe just a, a way that is not destructive, like I said, toward not only yourself but to other people. So in other words, it's to not let your emotions get the best of you. So in that, yes, anger will arise, other emotions will arise, but it's like having that almost split-second discernment to be able to act in a way that, you know, isn't like you start throwing objects or you start, maybe you say something you don't want to say, but in a way that is conducive uh, to more, one may say, sattvic actions or sattvic lifestyle. So really, summing that up, is it, would you say like the path is a way to change up, ultimately, how we act as a human being and how we act? Yes, we have the freedom to act however we want to, but how we act is according to that, you know, that, that alignment to a greater source. You know what I mean?
1: You, you said something really interesting, this, this split-second discernment in the moment. Yeah. All, all of the wisdom traditions say that they talk about that in some way or another. That awareness is just one huge oneness with lots of different faces yeah in there Mm -hmm. and to to click to that to understand that to feel that to be that you can only be completely discerning in the moment if you're not discerning in the moment then you're wearing one of joseph campbell's masks of eternity you're you're someplace else and So whether it's Buddhism or whether it's tantric yoga or whether it's Kabbalah, they're all saying the same thing. Yes, see, see what's going on exactly in the moment and then judge. Because if you're working at center point, okay, then there's not going to be any movement anywhere. You're going to have to make a decision. You want to go right, do you want to go left? And, you know, Buddha's admonition, okay, don't go too far, you're going to get lost. But, Mm -hmm. But just to get out of bed in the morning you got to make a decision you got to make a judgment you know to put one foot in front of the other to put bread on the table you got to judge every second of every day so yeah discerning properly in the moment is really the basis of of most of the skills practices of these traditions and so uh, i keep referring to the yogic tradition because that's the one i'm most familiar with but we have uh A particular practice called upaya which is exactly the skillful means the skillful means of approach because there are skillful means and there are unskillful means we can we can uh look at something and not appreciate exactly what it is i mean first order reality and second order reality there is the fruit and then there is the fruit i call delicious there is the reality of something and then there is how i am now going to start relating with that reality and if i can identify the fact that it, there is an i here that is in fact identifying and doing stuff then cool no problem but if i'm not identifying the fact or not aware of the fact that there is something that's making a relationship intentionally well then i'm unconscious then i'm a victim of my patterns then i'm yeah. then i'm not as free as i might otherwise be if i were able to discern in the moment and so those skillful those uh, skills practices to bring us closer and closer and closer to the moment, to the center point Mm -hmm. in order that we are able to discern and be happy.
0: (laughs) That's what it's all about, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting. I'm coming to find that myself. Uh, This happiness, it's not necessarily (laughs) from a material means it's, it's from, yeah, it's from how we act. It comes from, how we choose to live, the patterns, like we're all pattern oriented, we're all ritualistic oriented one way or the other, but it seems like you just have to create the right patterns, the right rituals for yourself. Um, And it comes from discernment. I guess it's like almost constant in a way. If one doesn't know any better, it's like, well, it seems like such like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Too much, too Too much, much, too much work. It's it's too much. Like, why would I have to worry about that? I guess, but it's really <clears throat> not. I I would say it's very contrary. This. That's uh, right. Yeah. This. Um, the opposite. Yeah. It's a surrender to a sense of a flow state, and in that is happiness. I feel, and it's not even like happiness that we think of as happiness, but for lack of a better word, it is. It's a, it's a sense of joy, a sense of peace with uh, the goings on of the the phenomena of the human condition. It's that it's a surrender to a greater flow. I like to say we're like the instrument in the, in the song of God, you know? And you just gotta know how to play. You gotta know how to tune yourself in a way. Um, but yeah, we have the freedom to not, that's the, that's the thing is if you really don't want to, um, you don't have to. And I, it's kind of a long story, but I feel like that's what humanity has been doing for centuries and centuries. It's kind of like not pertaining ourselves to the flow. We've just been off our rocker for a very long time, um, it seems. That's a that's a whole rabbit hole in itself. Um, but I feel as though in that surrender to a sense of flow, the surrender to a, a higher power, the pratibha, um, it's like everything just works out. There's a sort of order in that. It may come over time. It may take, you know it's easier said than done it may take a little bit but it feels like we're just in that aligning to a greater order and a way that humans are i guess supposed to be you know like a sort of i don't know how to explain it like there's a sort of like a a humanly way maybe it's not even humanly maybe it's a little bit greater maybe it's like an evolution in in our uh in our development maybe it's like another step But I feel as though in that alignment to a greater force is like a, it's just another way to live. It's another mindset. It's another way to live. And I feel as though it's uh, no other way. (laughs) I feel like once you get the message, correct me if I'm wrong. um, There's like, there's no other way, you know, I don't feel like there's any other way to align my life. And yeah, there's going to be like, ups and downs in life there's going to be twists and turns there's going to be turbulent motions in that flow Where well, one may get you know caught off guard with certain things but i feel as though once you get the hint and the glimpse into a greater perspective on what you really are in the greater order that you're involved in uh you just can't forget that it's not like i can just leave that in the past <laughs> and act like uh, i didn't see that or i didn't feel that i didn't feel that connection so it's almost like yeah i don't know i don't know how to explain it it's like something you feel it and you can't unfeel it, that that being a part of something greater than just the humanly affairs and the humanly wants and needs. Um, yeah. hope that made sense.
1: You're talking about the the spiritual awakening. You're talking about clicking one day to the fact that there's something greater. There's something big going on here that awareness actually permeates much deeper than I've appreciated thus far. And wanting to hold on to that feeling and wanting to be able to do something with that feeling. And, and this is what so many, you know, myriads of people are dealing with right now, this spontaneous spiritual awakening, this fleeting glimpse into their essence nature. And, you know, it is the essence nature. It is exactly what we are at our hearts. And so, of course, you know, in the silent spaces, we are going to get glimpses of that sometimes. But then the the impressions, the experiential impressions are going to come crashing back over us, all of our Habits that we've lived so far all of our karma it's going to come crashing back down go back to sleep and so the practices exist to help us stay in tune in tune with the song of god i love that that was wonderful i'm doing a workshop on uh saturday as a matter of fact personal personal attunement how to attune yourself because there's so many people out there now Looking outside of themselves for Reiki practitioners or somebody to come and lay their hands on them to attune them, and and it just doesn't work like that. Mm. But you can definitely attune your own self. I mean, there's this thing called Shaktipat, right? I, I see this on Facebook all the time. The the gurus are out there saying, "Hey, fifty bucks, I'll give you a Shaktipat. I'll wake you up." And it... <laughs> <It's that easy. laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and you know, the transmission of awakened awareness, of course, it works. It comes. On the breath of god it comes through a word it comes through an experience it comes it comes to you but then everything that you've been living thus far is going to come crashing back down on your reality and so there is a really you know valid necessity for engaging with spiritual practice methodically yeah. consistently um, with a good teacher with scripture of high integrity you know, in a particular lineage that resonates with you, that is going to ultimately bear the fruit that you are looking for. So, some people get on the Buddhist track, or some people get on the yogic track, or some people get on the kabbalistic track. You know, every, everybody's got their proclivities and, and and what interests them, and that's definitely the path that you should be walking. But now we're in the way we're in the age of woo woo, where everybody and their uncle thinks that they can take a little piece of the tradition and then turn it into something else. My God, DNA activation. Mm. Oh, God, there is so much out there. And people are just, well, come on. Lots of work to do. Lots of good work to do. Mm.
0: Yeah. Mm. But ultimately, it's like, yeah, the way is the way is the way. It doesn't really matter how you go about it. But like the way, it's like, to me, it's uh, the truth is one, but the wise call it by many names. And what I mean by that, it's like, Ultimately, if we want to find some sort of this happiness, it seems to be a buzzword in the conversation. It's like we there's no other way at this point. I feel as though like we, you you can try you can try to find it in other means, but the higher means, the higher access, um, the higher wavelength it's to me it seems like the only way to go about it and that may seem lofty in the way that i just said it but it is actually quite simple it's about how we live our life and the and the the simple patterns that we that we decide to create with our
1: life well it's interesting yeah. because when you're talking about means and skillful means of approach the upayas that i just mentioned earlier the the tantric tradition divides those into three the divine means that you're talking about right now where you're just connected and it's all intuitive and you're able to feel into the reality at every moment of every day and and some people are there you know some people have been living a sattvic lifestyle forever and ever and and they're totally ready and they're calm and the mind's not overstimulated anymore and they're ready and and they've done certain practices to bring them to a a conducive state and and okay they can connect to it and not think about it too much but for people and that's most people who are not able to uh, connect immediately to the divine means. Then there's the empowered means. There's the way of of working on the meditative field of going inside and doing various practices to bring yourself to center point or work with the energy in just such a way or align yourself, attune yourself to the song of God. And and for and then there's tons of people that are not ready for the empowered means either. They're, these guys have to work through the body first. And so you've got your yoga's, and you've got your your body postures and you've got your exercises and different ways to address it from the body and so we're you know doing this in layers until you're finally you can breathe again you've relaxed to a certain extent you've burned down some of these stories and some of these views some of these world views that have kept you you know in bondage for so long and suffering with your own personal beliefs for so long that you're now freed to be connected to that so-called divine means and, and walk hand in hand with Pratibha and, and, you know, blissfully until you come to the fact, to the point where you don't even need the divine means anymore. And now you're in the non-means. Now, now you're just, (laughs) now you're just, now the conversation is over. Now there's not even, there's no need to practice because you totally, you know, you got it. You're there. And, and there's nothing left to do except do the body now, do the life now, as you like. It's all good. And, and, and so, it's amazing because the spiritual journey, the, the spiritual aspirant wakes up one day and says, I want to know God, right? And we go out on this long journey. I mean, at least it was for me, right? When I was 17, I went out into the desert of Israel looking for the face of God, literally. And I walked over a dune six hours out into the desert. I walked in over a dune and into a Bedouin camp. And it was amazing because uh, the kibbutz that I had taken up with on the first day of orientation, they said, don't go out into the desert because it's dangerous out there. You might get shot, this and that. And, and there was barbed wire around the kibbutz so that we couldn't. But, you know, I was 17 years old, so I wrapped a bandana around my head, put on my walkman, and went out. Six hours out into the desert, walked into a Bedouin camp. You know, the, the chickens were... And, and oh, it, it was wonderful. They invited me into their tents for tea. They, they were kind. We didn't speak each other's language, but it was not dangerous. It was family. It was friendly. It was happy. It was love. It was, it was real. It was brother to brother. It was good. And then they drove me back to the kibbutz. And that was my experience of that having been told one story on one side and have an experience of this on the other side. But anyway, searcher. Searcher is going out looking for God. That's the first experience that this searcher receives and go and have so many more experiences and oriental monasteries and then up the Himalayas and a 20-year tantric path and this and that. And boom, here I am back now, 52 years old, I've got a mortgage. Right? And <laughs> I'm, I'm back to normal. Back to normalcy and and totally enjoying, you know, weeding the garden and and going to work and doing my job and raising my kid and playing with her every day and yeah. back to normal, full circle, right back to starting point, with less baggage, right? <laughs> with with less confusion, with with the uh, able to appreciate, you know, what this experience actually is without having to paint it with too many opinions, too many stories, without having to tell too many stories about it. Yep.
0: Chopping wood and carrying water.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. I love chopping wood. <laughs> that was one of the good ones. The Himalayas are cold, so fire was a big thing with me. Ah. Yeah. Oh,
0: literally chopping wood.
1: Literally chopping wood. Loved it. <laughs> Loved it. And carrying water. We had the well.
0: Oh. It's quite poetic.
1: It's great. <laughs> it was an idyllic vow.
0: So in other words, come full circle and realize that Everything is God in a way. Everything is divine, right?
1: That's the one question I'm hoping not to get. What is God? It's
0: <laughs> truly unanswerable.
1: Huge, too huge, <laughs> too huge. You know, I like
0: to just say it's love and keep it at that.
1: That's what the sages say. Mm-hmm. That's what the sages say, love. Not the emotional love, but the whole thing is really love. And so the question, you know, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? Where is your love? Where is love directing you? Mm-hmm. What are you feeling good about? Because mm-hmm. you can even do anger in love. You can even do greed in love. You can do it all in love. The little faces of love. It's all one big love. Yes. Yeah. And if you got that, then it's not going to bother you.
0: You know. When... <laughs> yeah. 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 It's quite peculiar quite peculiar man when you realize that everything is love in one way or the other it actually doesn't make any logical or rational sense but there, there's some kind of like felt sense to that that it's just like undeniable in some moments and maybe i can feel it right now it's just like un it's undeniable it's truly undeniable and even the word love the concept of love the the, the way that we spell it the just the idea of love it doesn't quite do it justice for what we're trying to say. But yes, if one wants to really simplify God, you really want to simplify it. Uh, love, love is the closest thing we have to it.
1: We're doing words right now. We're yeah. doing intellectual stuff right now. And sometimes we do feeling stuff and sometimes we do physical stuff. And, you know, and in these three dimensions are the only ones we've got to work with when we're working together. So there's nothing else that we can do. And none of these three dimensions is going to do justice to the whole that houses all of the dimensions yes maybe we can put a word love on on the whole thing but it's not the feeling and it's not the intellectualization and it's not the physical and and it's none of that so it's none of what we think we might be knowing in this moment it's much bigger than that and then you go quiet (laughs) and and then you go to the non-means and and then there's nothing left to do there's nothing left to talk about
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yep you go quiet because it's like ultimately i know nothing
1: And that's why they say, you know, the great silence. That's why they say jump into the void. That's why they say, be quiet. Be quiet and know that I am God. And right. The the sages tell you the truth. It's right there. Don't go searching hither and thither. It's right there. But we go searching hither and thither. Mm. Right. You have to be quiet. Okay. Let's talk about that.
0: (laughs) Doesn't make for a good podcast.
1: (laughs) Right. We're doing a job. We're doing a job.
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> because ultimately it's like, yes, we still you can come to that conclusion of I know nothing and be still and know that you're God, but ultimately there's there's energy coming forth and in that energy. Living a yes, life. Yes. Living a yes. life. Exactly.
1: Right? You've got this thing these days. I'm sorry. We you've got this thing these days where people are having these spontaneous Kundalini awakenings where they're they're very focused on the transcendent. And I totally understand that. I, I wanted to see the face of God. I wanted to hear the voice of the spirits. I wanted the clouds to part and rain down gold on me. I wanted to know the secrets of manifestation. I wanted the mystical, the mystique, because the physical wasn't doing it for me, right? I, I wasn't able to integrate. I was just a kid. I was a teenager, right? Coming from the streets of New York and Miami and having the experiences that, you know, uh, of the 70s and the 80s of that time. And I wanted something else, and, and so I looked into the metaphysics of it all, and that's what I think people are doing. They're trying to get over their own personal suffering and get in touch with their own personal desires and, and getting all metaphysical about that, and that's really cool. God, I forgot what we were talking about.
0: Well, ultimately, none of that's needed, though, right?
1: Oh, it's the it, it's the need for the reconciliation of this urge to transcendence with this urge to normalcy. I want to feel satisfied here in my body. I wanna feel good, I wanna be successful, I wanna have loving relationships, I wanna be happy and feel good. So I do have this very honest urge to normalcy. But at the same time, I've got this urge to go back to the proverbial home as well, to know God, to know where I came from, to know the truth of all of you know the, the whole mystery of the universe. So I've got this primal urge. And I've got this primal urge, and these two urges are meeting, right, in the heart center, yep. and that's very quiet. Cool. And, and so the a, another crux of the practice is to bring the two to center and the descending one and the ascending one. and And a lot of people get lost on just the ascension journey. And so that's another catchphrase these days, right? Let's ascend into the five d together. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, but don't forget about the three d as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, eventually you got to come back down.
1: Do them both at the same time. We're not giving up our bodies, right? Nirvikalpa Samadhi, right? Go all the way, all the way into the silence, all the way to, you know, we're past judgment now. It's all gone. It's all done. And we've got a choice now at that point, right? Join join Joni Mitchell in the stardust or come back down and keep chopping wood, right? Yeah. Go or come back. And if we're going to come back, okay, we're going to acknowledge the embodied experience and let's do the body now and let's do it right. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Now, would you say doing it right and embodying uh, the ascension, kind of grounding yourself with a little bit of balance in somebody's being, uh, their actions are a little bit different. Would you say maybe from personal experience, like the actions uh, become a, a sort of servitude, almost obligatory servitude in somebody's actions?
1: I feel compelled to serve my guru didn't seem like that (laughs) didn't really seem he was a quite a quiet guy um i've been possessed of a motivation since i was a kid to give and to share and i have no idea where that came from or why that came about. You know, I come from a broken home. I come from a divorced family and a a exotic mother, and and I didn't have much, and whatever I had, I wanted to give. Maybe I was trying to bribe for friendship, you know, by giving my chocolates away, or I, I don't know. I have no idea where the original impulse to give comes from, but I've always been wanting to give wanting to, and, and that's been really hard on my business because I tend to give shit away yeah. and and, <laughs> and don't focus enough on money but now I've got a kid and I've got a wife and I've got a family and I've got a mortgage and it's been a little bit easier to focus on on the rules of the game so to speak yeah but um sharing what I know and sharing what I am and sharing from my experience and it, it comes from A really nowadays at 52 years old, anyway, it comes from a really deep and abiding sense of compassion for people who are on the path right now, who could be a lot freer than they appear to be at this moment, who could be enjoying a lot more than they appear to be enjoying right now. If you just had this little tweak in your approach you you could have such a better time and and i and i just want to shout that out but shouting that out is not enough because you know that we're in the age of memes and over information and everybody's got their truth and and so it's not enough to just you know put out the message but you got to make a program and you gotta you gotta do a whole thing and 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 really take and so that's why they say you need a good guide and you need a good you know consistent path practice and and gotta reshape the entire view all over again Mm. service does it happen naturally i don't think it happens naturally i think some you know the bodhisattva is said to stick around and not go to the final enlightenment because he's pulled to serve that's what they say Uh, but looking at the sages i don't know the sages seem all to be involved in some kind of service serving the knowledge into the next generation so yeah maybe yeah. This is a natural pull. My guy was an agori. He, he was a very, very stern kind of, he, he was hardcore, but he was really happy at the same time. And and I have posted a couple of videos on my channel. You can see him. And so he talks and, and he was definitely giving it away for free, but he was so hardcore that he was hard to approach too. And so I guess there that brings us to the topic of our individual personalities within the Model of service as well. Maybe there are different models, and, and that service takes different shapes.
0: Yeah, that's what I believe. We're all different instruments in the song. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I think we're all unique too. Uh, that's the beauty of this thing. I do believe there's billions of us here, but we all have our certain, our certain quirks. You know, our certain knacks that we're meant to bring into the song. Um, and I think that's uh, really, that's uh, what, I think that's point. what it's about. But it's all comes down to service in one way or the other. Um, ultimately, I believe serving yourself first, um, like you serve yourself in your lifestyle, and then others, just it's just like a natural service to others as well. You know, it's like selfishly selfless. I feel like you probably found out your guru was like, even though he wasn't like a, you know, he probably wasn't like the 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 cliche servant, but even just him being him was a service to you. Right. I actually saw that video that you uploaded a few weeks ago, and he seems like the coolest guy in the world. <laughs> I'm, Absolutely. I'm, I see I'm like, wow, this guy is like really cool. Is he still? Um,
1: is he still, he, He's you know, gone in know? 2010.
0: Oh, wow. OK. Well, yeah. well, he's gone in his physical form, but he's here. in a.
1: He did a good job form. while he was here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the idea of like service to him probably was not even he probably didn't even think of service, but That's it right. is still it is still service in a way yeah. yeah just a different flavor yeah yeah we all have our different flavors of service i feel i almost feel as though like the path ultimately leads to one becoming the bodhisattva and maybe it's in different lifetimes or maybe it's just like maybe it's not like the bodhisattva in, in your whole life maybe it's in certain moments you become a little bit more thick, but i do believe it is on that wavelength of becoming sattvic, it's becoming kind of more pure in your actions and becoming a little more, more selfless and, and a little bit more of a humble servant. And like I said, you don't even try, it just kind of happens due to the innate want of happiness and peace in one's life. That's what I find. Maybe it's a correlation, not exactly a causation of the so called path and the so called yearning for truth, quote unquote. But I do find that there is a correlation between people that are on the path, per se, and them wanting to give back a little bit.
1: Absolutely. Mm.
0: That's what it's all about, man. That's what it's all about, spreading the love. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't even know where to go from here.
1: Yeah, right. (laughs) We covered it.
0: Yeah. Um, Shit.
1: But, you know, talking about the song of God and talking about servants and talking about people who are giving back, you know, the, I, I know quite a few people who you might want to interview for your show. There's this one lad that I'm working with now. His name is Ingmar Neuwald. He creates the soundscapes for the guided meditations that I put on the Umamaya site. This guy is a wizard. He is a mystic bard in every sense of the word. He has got a connection with the cosmic sound the primordial sound in such a way this is how he delivers this is how he serves he has been about sound and sound healing and and delivering through sound for uh, as long as i've known him but he's an interesting cat so you might want to talk to him
0: yeah i'm hey i'm down for anybody i'll talk to anybody especially (laughs) if you recommend him all right yeah that sounds awesome if he's willing for sure
1: uh he'll be willing Mm-hmm. he's got a website and you might reach out to him art of spanda okay yeah sounds good yeah appreciate
0: good. that um sure yeah sound is very powerful sounds, Seems to be mantra kirtan um certain frequencies they're very powerful for me too like if we're if we are metaphorically an instrument maybe we are almost literally an instrument in a way i believe if we do tune ourselves in a way i think sound is a very um effective way to tune ourselves.
1: The origin stories of all of the wisdom traditions, each and every one of them start the same way, right? From the original source went out into force and on the breath of God, through letter and number, it went forth to finally culminate in this embodied condition. Breath of God, it went forth on a letter and a number. Mm. A letter and a number that became a word and became a story. Sound, man, sound traveled out on light it's nuts. The metaphysics of it is nuts. Now I do words, but Ingmar does sound, pure sound. And he does, he does sound like I do words. He's an impeccable, impeccable sage. He's good. He's really nice. Mm -hmm. There's people play music, right? I mean, Carlos Santana, Jimmy Page on the, on the guitars, how people do sound is, is nuts. The mantra, they say that mantra is the is the face of the goddess, the matrika, the letters interwoven into the scheme of the entire cosmos. And when you intone them just right, it does something just right. I've never been a sound guy, actually. I enjoy music very, very much and I enjoy language very, very much, but sound's never been my thing. And so that brings us to, you know, serving as different instruments of yeah. God, right? People have their things. Somebody is going to do the mycelial network and really get into the land. Somebody's going to do the the instruments and the sound and somebody's going to do the words and somebody's going to do this and somebody's going to do that and if you can click and so people are always saying hey what's my purpose what am I here to do I know that I want to help people I know that I want to serve and they go off into this oh, okay let's do this healing kind of thing but nah you know self healing and then you find what you're really really good at mm-hmm. and right one of the elements one of the five elements you'll be there
0: what do you mean by that
1: Oh, so the earth, the earth worker is there, and the and the air worker is there, and the watery worker is there, and the fiery worker is there. And which element are you sure. mo- most predisposed to, or are you a conglomerate of all the elements, or are you a mage, so to speak?
0: It's an interesting way to look at it. I've never looked at one's purpose like that. It's related to the elements, but that makes a lot of sense.
1: I I came from the Western esoteric tradition and I got schooled in the Eastern esoteric tradition. And these two tend to meet inside of me and I make all kinds of poems and stuff. And that's why I got that's why I got a blog, because I just have to write this stuff sometimes.
0: (laughs) So uh, I guess what is next for you? Do you have uh, any different plans for the future or just, you know, keep on keeping on with what you're doing?
1: You know, like I said in the beginning, my personal dreams for life have come true. And it's all about my daughter now. It's all about serving the next generation now. It's all about how I put forward my my legacy and how I leave what I've been given to whoever needs it next. I do like to work with teenagers. I do like to work with people as young as I can get them because, you know, just because of where I came from. If I had I, I met the guy in the mountains when I was 24 years old. that's good and it took me 20 years to settle down <laughs> and, and so it takes Did some you time so. with
0: him for 20 years
1: I I you can only stay in uh, in India for like six months before the visa expires and so that that was the romance between India and Japan for 20 oh. years. but yeah, I stayed on and off for 20 years oh. yeah, it was great but uh the value of that experience, it's, it, it was gold. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just want to give that back. What's for me next? You know, like I said, I've got this workshop happening on Saturday and, and I'm putting together all of these classes so that I can just get this knowledge out in a methodical way for people to be able to engage with. And it's nothing that is not out there already. But my daddy once told me that the best book has not been written yet, son. So keep doing it. And well, that's what I'm pushed to do. And so write books and make programs and teach classes and, and have relationships and coach people individually and and you know make my keep tweak tweaking my website and make it prettier and prettier according to my own artistic sense and and just get this particular message of freedom and happiness and self-empowerment and get that out to people as much as possible.
0: That's beautiful. <laughs> Truly, truly. Mm. Yeah, I feel like the service comes to that. Leaving a legacy, but it's not like an egotistical legacy. Like look at me, look what I did, look how cool I was. Maybe that comes from it, but it's more so like your impact extending beyond your lifetime. I feel like ultimately that's where the service comes to. Um. I don't know, maybe I'm a little idealistic, but I feel like that's what it's all about like how can you give back while you're here so that when you're not here anymore, your, your spirit still resides. Like your, your energy that you put forth while you were here is still here in a way. Yeah.
1: I think if you do your art good, it it will remain. Yeah. Whether, whether you're an artist like, you know, Robert Plant and, you know, Led Led Zeppelin will live forever Yeah. or you're just a first class mother or a first class father leaving your legacy in your child. Yeah. Right. In, in some way it's going to remain if you're doing you authentically.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything else to say. Uh, <laughs> I think this All was right. a good talk. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say?
1: I'm good. I'm good.
0: Yeah, this is good. We covered a lot of ground. Um, I don't really know what else to say. Yeah, this is good. Um, I appreciate your time. This was fun. Definitely fun. Insightful, fun. I appreciate your wisdom um, and everything that you brought to this conversation. Appreciate anybody that has uh, listened this long. And yeah, keep doing your thing, David. I wish you all the best.
1: Thanks, man. Thanks. Can I get a copy of this recording?
0: Oh, yeah, of course.
1: All right. Fantastic.
0: Uh, Yeah. Other than that, peace and love, everybody. Peace and love.